We're short on numbers today. It was a bit low this morning, a bit low tonight, but praise the Lord, we're glad you're here. Without you, I'd be here on my own. So praise the Lord. <laughs> Hallelujah. Those of you who are scratching your heads over the past two weeks, here we go again. Hallelujah. I'm going to give you some more stuff to scratch your heads over. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. We're looking at uh, the five paradigms of nation transformation. And we're on, still on paradigm one, part three. You'll be pleased to know we move on to paradigm two next week. Um, paradigm three, Margaret's going to deal with. Paradigm four, Pastor Knox is going to deal with. And uh, they've left the juicy one for me at the end. Praise the Lord. How to deal with poverty in the world. Great. Don't you like a challenge? The challenge set before us, dealing with world poverty. Praise the Lord, that's great. So we continue to look at first, uh, uh, the first paradigm, which is, if any of you can't remember, we're called to disciple nations, not just individuals. And we're examining the biblical uh, uh, background to this. Is this paradigm actually something that the Bible teaches? And over the last couple of weeks, we've had a look at a few things. Had a lot of feedback. Um, and uh, I'm glad to say that um, a lot of people have been challenged to dig deeper into the Bible. That's a good thing, you know. It's a good thing. A lot of people have been challenged to just see what it is that maybe you've just believed because that's what you've heard. Rather than actually getting into the Word and saying, what does the Word of God actually teach me? And I'm, I've got to tell you that I've been challenged as well. Lots of things that I've just uh, picked up and, uh, and believed simply because everyone else around me was saying the same thing. I've been challenged on different things. And 99% of the feedback we've had has been very positive. And so praise God. And praise God for the 1% that wasn't as well. Hallelujah. So that's all right. No problem. As I said last week, what some of the things that I'm putting forward is my opinion. And you have to judge that opinion. It is your right to judge it according to Scripture. But it's also good for you to say, if this is what the Bible is saying, then that is an authority that is higher than me. And you need to be willing to change if you need to change. Now, Examining what we believe and why we believe it is a healthy thing to do. Just like it is with what you eat. Now, if I just eat the things that I like, I will die. It's as simple as that. If I had everything that I thought, wow, that looks good, that tastes good, I'll die. Because not everything that tastes good and looks good is good for you. How many people know that? All those who have reached a certain age. Praise the Lord. <laughs> okay, so those who haven't reached that age yet, you're thinking, what's all the fuss about? Well, you'll find out. So I have to eat things that will be good for me in order for me to enjoy good health. 
what applies to my body actually also applies to my spirit. Now, we're going to start not with a, a, a verse that's got much to do with this, but we're going to start with 2 Timothy 3.16-17. Well-known passage of Scripture. We want to allow this Scripture to actually speak to us tonight. It says, All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. So that the man of God, and women don't feel left out, that means you as well. The man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Now please behave yourself, computer. Stop trying to connect to the internet. You're not connected, okay? Some computers are pretty clever, but they're a bit dumb as well. Behave. All right. There is much more for us to learn about God. Can anyone say about that? I don't know everything about God. There is a lot, lot more that I can know about Him. Every day, I learn something new about God. And the reason why is because I read the Bible every day. Hallelujah. As I read the Bible, God shares a little bit more about Himself with me. And you know what? A knowledge of God is inexhaustible. There is no one too knowledgeable about God on the, on the face of this earth today. Every single person, no matter what uh, kind of degree, or 10 degrees, 20 degrees they have, right? Praise the Lord. Of course, if you live in Thailand, you get a lot more degrees than you do if you live in colder climate. But, play on words. Hallelujah. All the English people laugh. All the people whose English is their second language look at me thinking, What? Sorry about that. It doesn't matter what kind of education you have. You can always learn more about God. Because he's that big. How big is your God? We've sung tonight, how great is our God. Now my God is actually bigger than me. I'm so thankful about that because so many times I need him to help me in every situation. Praise the Lord. Now if it's true that I can learn more about God, if it's true what that verse says, that all scripture is God-breathing is useful for teaching, then it's also true about the other three bits that it does. It's true about the rebuking. You know, God sometimes rebukes me from his word. When I'm reading his word, God sometimes tells me, Brian, you're doing the wrong thing there. And you need to get in line with what my word says. And because I say Jesus Christ is Lord, I don't argue the point. I say, yes, Lord. We sung that tonight as well. Yes, Lord. And it's an incredible uh, 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 fact that when we say yes to God, his word will change us. His word will change us. Now, if it's true that we rebuke us, it's also true that he will correct us. And we need to be open to the word of God that God can correct our thinking. I need to be corrected. There are things, uh, as I've been looking at scripture in the light of transformation, I'm thinking, wow, how have I not seen that before? I'm going to share something that's absolutely phenomenal. And it's something that 
uh, I'll say, I'll, I'll give you a foretaste. It's about the day of Pentecost. Now, I grew up in the Pentecostal church. So, you know, look, listen. I know everything about Pentecost because I'm a Pentecostal. Well, I want to tell you something. This week, God's taught me something new. And I've thought, I'm being gobsmacked. And I thought, how have I missed that? I'm a Pentecostal. The day of Pentecost. I'm supposed to know this better than anybody. And yet, I missed it. Because God gives revelation. Because there is more to know about God. We never stop learning. Hallelujah. And always, you know, when God teaches you, it's very humbly. You know that? Now, it's hard to think when I'm, I'm up the front and I'm stalking around with the mobile mic and I'm giving, giving it everything, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. God, hallelujah, hallelujah. Right? When I'm doing all of this, right, it's hard to think of me being humble. But sometimes I just shake in awe as God speaks to me. And it's just, I read a verse and I think, oh, not seen that before. Oh, and I think, what an idiot. <laughs> what a, f how, how, how just so stupid can I be that I've not seen that before? Thank you, Jesus. Without you, I could not cope. I could not live through the day because you just explain things to me. You show me things, and it's like the world changes. Hallelujah. I'm going to get excited tonight. I don't know about you. If you don't want to get excited, don't get excited. Be boring. But I'm going to get excited. Hallelujah. Praise God. Anybody wants to be boring, raise their hand. Okay, you've had your chance. From now on, you can't be boring. You've got to be excited. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I forgot where I've got to. Hallelujah. That's right. I'm glad Malcolm's here. He keeps me in check even though he can't see me. Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise God. I just want to just say, don't be tempted to buy titanium glasses. Just, just be careful. <laughs> even titanium frames break. But you look younger. Yeah, there you go. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm torn actually. As I'm sitting here, I'm not sure whether to preach or throw balls at coconuts. I don't know, it's just... <laughs> there's, a, there's an array of... Uh... <laughs> Praise the Lord. So, <laughs> we need to be willing to allow God to speak to us. To teach us something, if, uh, something new. Right? The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases, right? Right? What's new every morning? His love. It's new every morning. You know, His love, it's new every morning. And His word can be new to us every morning because He loves us. And if God doesn't do new things in you, that's a very sad thing. God wants to do new things in you every day. Because He's a creator God. That's what He does. He creates things. And he wants to birth things in you. He wants to give you the joy of God. 
I haven't done so much dancing as I have in the past three weeks. In my office. They wonder what's going on in the office. I get up at my chair and I'm prancing around and jinking up and down. Because God's just given me something new and it's just fantastic. And I've got to let it out. Okay. If you think this is bad, Jill's coming back this, uh, this week and she's, just, and she's in Florida now at the revival. Hallelujah. So she'll be flying through the door. Praise God. Let us be willing to allow God to speak to us, to teach us something new, to correct our interpretation of Scripture if necessary, because He has a great work for us to do. Now, again, honestly, disagree with me if you like. It's not something we're going to fall out over. That's fine. It's not a problem. This is still an interpretation. But as a church, we are committed to nation transformation. Anyone say amen to that? Amen. Praise the Lord. Our vision statement says that we're a church to the nations. So to be all you can be for God, working through this church, a commitment to nation transformation is a must. And I'm trying to light the fire to help you catch the, the, the tremendous things that God wants to do through insignificant me and insignificant you. We can change the nation. Hallelujah. Now to further our investigation of this principle, we're going to look at a very, very well-known passage of Scripture. It's Matthew 28, the end of verse 18 and then verse 19 and 20. And it's known as the Great Commission. It's sort of... Uh, been sort of uh, taken ownership by missionaries. Well, praise God, we're all missionaries. Some people might have a certificate that says you're a missionary or a tag in your pocket, in your wallet, that says I'm a missionary. But we're all missionaries if we love Jesus. Wherever we go, we represent the kingdom of God. And so this applies to all of us. And it says this, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Now, I want to suggest to you tonight that the Great Commission is actually greater than we often think. It's bigger than we have previously thought. The New International Version says, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations. The King James Version says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations. It doesn't actually say the people in the nations. It says the nations. Now the Greek word, uh, ethnos, means nation, people group, a group of people living together with a common association. And the inference here is that we make disciples of nations, both the people and the nations that they constitute. Now, if we think logically... 
Uh, I know some of you might have a problem with that, but we try to think logically as a group together now. Praise the Lord. Nobody laughed at that, so apologies if you took offense to it. <laughs> okay. So logically speaking, a nation whose population is predominantly Christian would therefore have a government that is Christian. It should undertake business in a Christian way. It should have laws that are just according to God. It should have an education system that reflects kingdom of God principles. Now that follows logically. If the majority of the population are born again. That should happen. That's just thinking logically. But of course, in the kingdom of God, we have to think supernaturally. And God does things. His maths are crazy. They're not like logic. It's not like logical thinking. You see, one plus one with God can equal ten thousand. It's incredible, isn't it? One plus one logically equals two, but with God, one plus one can equal ten thousand. Because it says about David's mighty men, if one slayer of a thousand joins together with another slayer of a thousand, they both together slay ten thousand. Two guys. That's incredible. That's God's maths. Multiplication thinking. And that's the way we have to think with God. So what can God do with a nation when his people are determined to follow his purpose. What can God do? Now you see, I've traditionally thought along with everyone else that the Great Commission says, go out and win people. And we target individuals. And we normally target individuals to pull them into our church. And we do the same here. We do. We bring people into church. But if we think about it, even with the vision that we've got, you know, the vision to, to build a convention centre for Phuket, to have a 5,000-seater auditorium and think, whoa, 5,000 people coming together, praising God. If that dream becomes reality, and we have 5,000 people worshipping God on a Sunday, that will be a half of 1% of the population of Phuket. One half of 1%. You see, nation transformation thinks bigger than that. Thinks a lot bigger than that. Even though a convention centre might be a step forward to making my city God's city, yet it's still not what God requires. You see, there is not one building big enough to house the church of God. Even in this city, there will not be a building big enough to house the church of God. If we think big, if we think the way God thinks, one building is not big enough. Anyone say amen to that? Transformation thinking is big thinking. 
It's quiz time. Anyone tell me what that is? It's not a hard quiz. Okay? I'm not looking at all the people who've got doctorates, okay? It's, it's not a hard quiz. Can anyone tell me what that is? A glass of water. Well done. It's a glass of water. Right. Could it be anything else? Is it a car? No? Praise God. Is it a boat? No. Is it a plane? Is it Superman? No. It's a glass of water. And I'm going to show you how this glass of water can be totally transformed into something else. It's not a magic show. Just a simple little act can change that water into, into something else, can change this glass of water into a totally different thing that you would never ever call a glass of water. Yet, there it is before you, a glass of water. Does anyone want to change their minds? Does anyone think this is something other than a glass of water? It's a glass of water. You, you haven't got your glasses. I mean, right. Here I have a gold watch. <laughs> Everyone else, it's a glass of water. But for Malcolm, this is a gold watch. <laughs> He hasn't got his glasses on. Hallelujah. Right. I will now transform that into something else. Just with something small. What is it now? <laughs> All the people who have their glasses with them would like to answer this question, right? What is it now? Glass of orange. You wouldn't call it a glass of wood. You'd look at that and you wouldn't say that's a glass of wood. You'd say it's a glass of orange. I've used a little tiny bit of orange and transformed that glass of water into a glass of orange. It will never ever be described as a glass of water. It is now a glass of orange. Very weak orange, but it is now a glass of orange. Transformation changes big things. It starts with a little influence, but that influence is powerful enough to change the whole glass of orange. And our influence, even though it's small, is powerful enough to change a nation. And that's what faith in God's all about. Believing that in just a small way, even though our voice is very small, yet the influence through the power of God is incredibly big. Transformation is not just big picture thinking, if you remember back a few weeks. It's not just big picture thinking, but it's big influence thinking. Hallelujah. The fact that we can have an influence is incredible. As B says in, in our celebration service, the fact that the, uh, the leader of the administrative department of Phuket is coming with a desire to worship God. Isn't that incredible? He's not just coming to church because we've invited, come to church and we'll pray for you. We've already prayed for him. We already laid hands and prayed for him. All the kids from Sussex House joined in and we laid hands and prayed for this guy. And now he's coming because he wants to attend the worship service. Now, praise the Lord, if he's in the house and he's in the presence, anything can happen. Hallelujah.
And we need to pray for that. We can pray for our influence to be strong. Now the key word in Matthew 28, verse 19, is therefore. Whenever you read a therefore in the word of God, say praise the Lord. Because therefore is a wonderful word when it's in the mouth of God. Hallelujah. Our ability to make disciples of all nations is the result of God's total salvation plan. Jesus says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Now this is the platform upon which nation transformation takes place. The fact that Jesus is Lord of all the earth. Can anyone say, I'm into that? Can anyone say, thank God? I can say, thank God that I'm not in control and so can you. God is in control. He is Lord of all the earth. He has all authority in heaven and on earth. And when Jesus lives in you, that authority abides with you. Praise the Lord. That's a great thing. It's also a pretty frightening thing. Because it brings with it a lot of responsibility. But it is the platform upon which Nation transformation takes place. Without the authority, you can't do anything. All our prayers, all our witnessing, every time we bless someone or bless some place, whether it's your home, whether it's your school or college, whether it's the place of work, every time you bless, every time you stand in the name of Jesus, all authority belongs unto the name of Jesus. To bear fruit for the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. When you get up in the morning, you get up with a purpose that all authority has been given to the Son of God through you to bear fruit in the kingdom of God. Do you get up with a purpose or do you get up with a headache? Praise the Lord. No need to answer that one. And it's good to know because at times we all feel that we're not good enough to reach one person, let alone a nation. Somebody's saying, how on earth can we reach out to our neighbour? We're, we're just not up to the task. God, you're not answering my prayers in this. And there's all kinds of excuses we use because we just don't feel that we can do it. So how on earth can we do what I'm saying, reach a nation? It's incredible. Whenever you think you're not good enough, just think what Jesus had to do. Or the team he had. Jesus chose a team. Praise the Lord. What a team he had. He had a bunch of scared fishermen, a teenager, a tax collector that everybody hated, some women of low reputation in the community, and he changed them, and, he, and, and they rocked Jerusalem. They absolutely transformed the place. They took over the temple. Because if Jesus lives in your heart, then you know, without a shadow of a doubt, 
Matthew 19, 26. With man this is impossible. With God all things are possible. And again, that verse that I never refer to. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Hallelujah. I just misquoted it as well. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Praise the Lord. Because most of you know what I think that that actually refers to the Holy Spirit. There I am being contentious again. Hallelujah. Will this man's irreverence ever stop? I believe, I dare to believe that this city can be God's city. You believe that with me? I dare to believe that we can transform nations. That we can make a difference. You know, the transformation of nations has always been God's intention. Right from the start and right to the end. On the day of Pentecost, when the first Christians were baptised in the Holy Spirit, they were able to speak in tongues. And whether you believe or not that people can speak in tongues, the fact is on that day they did. They spoke in tongues. What was significant about that? Have you ever asked why did God do that? Why was, you know, surely sort of like uh, being filled with the Spirit, it would be better if we could sort of heal people. Why did God cause people to speak in tongues? What was significant about it? Let's just have a look at that passage in Acts 2, verses 5 to 11. And it says, Now there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard them speaking in his own language. Utterly amazed, they asked, are not all these men who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that each of us hears them in his own native language? Parthians, Medes and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, Visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they ask one another, what does this mean? What does it mean? It means this. God loves the nations of the world. That's what it means. Now, have you got this pictured? Look at verse 5. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. Now if the thing that's important hasn't stuck out to you, I've written it again underneath. Every nation under heaven. They were all there. Isn't that incredible? Every nation was represented on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came to anoint the church for the purpose of God. Every nation was there. Now that's got to tell you something. That the nations are important to God. The 
day when God empowers his church so that the church can fulfill the purpose for which it was designed, for which it was birthed, for which Jesus died on the, died on the cross and rose again, the purpose is to reach out to the nations. God's power and intent on the day of Pentecost is just incredible. It is mind-blowing. The empowerment of the saints through glossolalia, which is the Greek term for speaking in tongues, this special gift that God gave to the church, glossolalia, to speak was to speak to every nation. Isn't that incredible? And God brought them there to listen. This is just amazing. When you think of, just think of the, uh, the, the logistics of this. How would you organize that? I tell you, there is no, you, you couldn't, even the United Nations can't get every nation to sit down. They can't do it, they never ever had a full house. There's always somebody boycotted or somebody who says, I'm not coming, I'm not playing. There's always one nation, at least one nation, that doesn't turn up. They've never ever had every nation. I want to tell you, the very first United Nations meeting was organized by God and they were all there. Every single one of us and it's never happened since. Never happened since. But they were all there on the day of Pentecost. That's what the word of God tells us. Every nation under heaven. And God equipped 120 people. His children. This is all I've got on the earth. This was it. 120 guys, men and women. This was the, the, the army of God that was going to change the earth. 120 people spoke to the nations. And 3,000 of them came to Jesus. What an incredible day the day of Pentecost is. And we, we all seem to think it's to do with personal empowerment. It isn't. It's God declaring his purpose for the church, his purpose for the nations. It's a global event. Hallelujah. It's not just a, something that's, that's for an individual person to be able to go and be full of the Spirit. Praise God. We need the Spirit. And I'm not being disrespectful to God. But I'm saying, why do we limit God? God needs to be greater. His purpose in us. is to reach the nations. Because all nations are precious to God. Anyone say amen to that? Can you say amen for your nation? Your nation is precious to God. And this nation of Thailand is precious to God. And if it's your own nation or your adopted nation, God loves it. From the birth of the church to arriving in heaven we see God's heart and plan for the nations. Revelation 15.4 says this, 
all nations will come and worship before you for your righteous acts have been revealed hallelujah all nations not some nations all nations will come and worship before you hallelujah you know what that tells me if the nations are worshiping it means they've been transformed they are worshiping they're not being made to kneel they're coming to worship every knee will bow that's going to happen but this doesn't say that this says all nations will come and worship they will declare the worthiness of God that's what worship means and why do they do that it says because your righteous acts have been revealed how are the righteous acts of God being revealed if not through you and through me if not through his church that is what God is doing he is revealing his righteous acts to people through you and through me so when you get up in the morning get up with a purpose not with a headache hallelujah and think today I am going to reveal the righteous acts of God how many thought that this morning or did you think up and thought oh Sunday I can lie in but oh, I've got to go to church tonight right I mean come on or did you wake up thinking today I am going to reveal the righteous acts of God I'm going to do kingdom business because God has ordained me to see the nations turn to him. See the nations transformed. Revelation 21, 26 says this. The glory and honor of the nations will be brought into the new Jerusalem. Now what does that mean? That tells me that the best of every nation is coming to God. Isn't that wonderful? The best, not, you know, I, I remember singing in church, right? Um, Hold the fort for I am coming. Right? And it was like this little, little gang of guys and we, we stood on the ramport, ramparts, you know, we'd, we'd sing that straight after there's a flag flying out from the castle of my yard. And it was like, this, we, we, we'd be stuck on the ramparts and, and we'd be besieged by the forces of, of, of evil all around and uh, hold on, hold on, God's coming soon, God's coming soon, help us Lord and, and we sort of stagger into heaven, the remnant we made it oh. doesn't what's that, what the book of Revelation says it says there's going to be a great parade of the nations going down glory and honor of the nations will be brought into the new jerusalem that's what it's talking about that's what i want to see not about you i can't see us tuning in to watch that on cnn watch this ragtag bunch of survivors staggering into heaven in rags and we did it lord we even saved the flag yeah we can stagger in. Somebody can grab the prayer changes things banner and get it into heaven. We've made it, God. The best. The best. You know when, when Thailand marches before God, the best Thai dancers in the whole of the nation are going to be dancing before him. Do you believe that? 
The best Thai musicians, well, maybe we'll borrow the Filipinos, I don't know. But <laughs> the best Thai musicians would be playing before Jesus. Hallelujah. Sorry. <laughs> Knock will be singing because she's pretty good. Hallelujah. <laughs> but I mean, the best, not, not the, just the average and the mediocre, but the best. Hallelujah. Do you know you're the best people? Do you know that? It's not, by, it's not because you've been born good. But it's because you've been born again by the blood. It's what Jesus has made you. You're the best. Sometimes I hear pastors talk when we're around and say, oh, folks in our church. And I say, oh, I've got the best. All the good ones come to our church. Because it's true. Because God, God's made you the best. Hallelujah. Turn to the person next to you and say, you're the best. So now the person on your left is now thinking, well, which is it? Am I the best or is the person on your right the best? Which one is it? You're all the best. Praise the Lord. Glory and honour, the glory and honour of the nations will be brought into the new Jerusalem. That is terrific. I'm gonna, this is going to come as a revelation to many of you, I know. So prepare yourselves for this. God is not making a sandwich. Okay? God is not making a sandwich. Right on your fridge, every time you open the fridge you'll see, God is not making a sandwich. What do I mean by that? I mean his plan is perfect. He begins it, and he carries it on, and he ends it exactly the same. There's no filling in the middle. And the commission of the church is the same today, as it was in the beginning, and it will be forevermore. He is not making a sandwich. But you know what? We as Christians tend to want to put our own filling in between the bread of life that God has provided for us. But God is not making a sandwich. It's a complete picture. And the picture that he gives us is that he has a heart for the nations. They are his goal. And so they should be our goal. So if the discipling of nations is our primary task. Now, don't get me wrong, okay? But let me explain it in a way that you'll understand. Making disciples of nations is our primary task. Now you might say our primary task is to worship God. But I want to tell you, Worship is better in heaven than it is here. Anyone agree with that? It's going to be a lot better in heaven, right? Because no one's going to play out a tune, for a start. We're going to see him face to face. Come on. That's not going to get you dancing. Nothing will. Worship is going to be better. I want to tell you, fellowship is going to be better in heaven because we'll all agree. Hallelujah. Praise God. 
When we get to heaven, you'll be saying, oh, you know, you said that, that, that you, you used to believe that. Oh, well, you were way off, weren't you? <laughs> Praise God, but we'll, we'll all agree. Praise God, isn't that fantastic? Fellowship is going to be better in heaven. Can you say amen to that? Listen, there's only one reason why we're still here. If worship and fellowship and every other thing you could think of to do with, with living for Jesus, if all of that was the most important thing, Jesus would have come and received us by now. Why, is he, why does he wait? Why does us, to use the old King James word, why does he tarry? If you don't understand that, it means wait. Why hasn't Jesus come back yet? There's only one reason why we're still here. And it's because there's nations to reach. There are people to share the gospel with. Because we're going to take more people with us. Because we're going to get the best and take them. Hallelujah. So our primary task it's the disciple nations. This is what the church has to do on earth. Praise God in heaven, it'll change. In heaven, our primary task is to worship God. I'm not saying worship is less important than this, but I'm saying that we have to do this here. Now, how do we disciple nations? The answer's found in the Great Commission, because when God says something, he makes it perfect, so we don't have to look anywhere else. It's in the Great Commission. And Jesus says in, in um, Matthew 28 and, and uh, verse 19, Teach them all I have commanded you. Teach them all I've commanded you. So in the case of a nation, it would mean establishing kingdom of God values. And a behavior in the people that reflects a conviction to follow those values. Now, I'm sure you've, 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 you've seen, uh, if you've been here longer than a day, and you've actually been in a car anywhere, and you've come to a red light, that red lights don't mean much in Thailand. It's just a change of colour. Praise God. Oh, there's a bit of green. There's a bit of amber or yellow. There's a bit of green. There's a bit of red. Hallelujah. Praise God. Pretty lights. But the concept of stop at the red light hasn't reached Thailand yet. And if you've lived here any long, you're just as bad because you adopt the values of the people here. Anybody here ever gone through a red light? Be honest. Come on. Come on. Come on. Right. Praise God. She's only been here two minutes. She's been through one already. She's probably got all this. It's only just gone red. Go on, go on, go on. <laughs> I know things like that happen because I overheard something that I was saying in the car once when I was crossing the road. It was, hit him, get him. <laughs> Praise God. I love the youth and Pace team. They're great. They love me too. They love to get me right between the headlights. Right. 
Now, we've all broken the law. It's true. The law in Thailand actually says that you have to stop. The yellow light, right, is not just to say, you know, the green's got a bit tired and we're going to show you yellow for a bit. Right? Because just in case the green bulb is going to blow, the yellow light is actually saying, prepare to stop. And then the red light means, stop. We had some folks came last Sunday morning from, uh, from Australia, and they hired a car, and they caused a huge accident. And they came to the meeting. And the reason they caused it is because they stopped at the red light. And everybody else behind went, boom, 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 boom. In, and, but they didn't hit them. And then they drove off, and everybody was going like this after them when they drove off. Because I thought, what's, what's the problem? It was a red light. We stopped. But the five cars behind them didn't want to. Hallelujah. So kingdom of God values change behavior in a nation. That's incredible. So that instead of the glass of water being the dominant feature... The little bit of orange that goes in changes the nation. Anyone say amen to that? One of, the, one of the things, it's not just a scheme, it's not just a good idea, it's going to happen. One of the things I've got is that we're going to open PCC Driving Academy. How about that? And we're going to teach people to drive and we're going to give people a certificate and we're going to aim first of all at the hotels in Phuket. And you know why? Because the hotel minibus drivers are the worst. They're the worst ones. Right? The minibus is going in and out all over the place. They're the worst drivers. And so we're going to start at the hotels. And if you actually ask, Ian's not here tonight, but you ask hotel owners how, many, how much money they have to spend on repairing minibuses. They'll tell you it's hundreds of thousands of baht. But if we say... We will train your drivers and they will sign and get a certificate and you can put it on, you, on, on the back of your minibus to say that you've got this proficiency in driving and you're a safe driver. We can change the way people drive. Hallelujah. But I want to tell you something. It starts with you and it starts with me. If we, don't, if, we don't, if we cannot be transformed, how can we transform the nation? Are you with me? If we cannot transform ourselves, how can we transform a nation? And listen, we're only talking about traffic lights. There are far more important things to change. Far more important things to change. Hallelujah. I often wonder, you know, if you don't stop at a red light and you go when it's a green light, when do you stop? <laughs> Hallelujah. Throughout history, you know we've been talking about the way the devil manipulates and the way the devil is interested in nations because he wants to thwart God's plans. Now, if you don't, there's another word that you might not understand. 
thwart. It's a great English word. Might have problem even pronouncing it. Thwart. Right? It means to confound. So, the devil is trying to stop God's plan for the nations. To thwart God's plans. He's trying to. And throughout history, we've seen how he's influenced nations to develop systems of control. And how powerful nations dominate other nations. And exert that influence, satanic influence, upon them. We've already saw what, what, uh, what Satan did through Nebuchadnezzar and what he did through Ithabel II, the king of Tyre. Yet yeah, it refers to those two people when we read Isaiah and we read Ezekiel. But behind that, you've got the influence of the enemy. The Romans did it with the Pax Romana in the time of Jesus. Look at communism. In the past in Russia and, and presently with China. Even through Islam. But I want to tell you, the kingdom of God is different in a very important way. The difference between the message of Christ and all these other forms of discipling nations, discipling systems, the great difference is that kingdom of God values are not forced upon any nation. They're to be embraced by it. We've even sung that tonight. The kingdom of God is not a regime of control, but a willing submission to the king of kings. It's a whole lot different. I'm not a slave through conquest. I'm a slave through willingly giving my life to Jesus. I'm a love slave. Hallelujah. But I'm not going to get my ears pierced. <laughs> if you don't understand that, come and see me after. The kingdom of God is a kingdom of freedom. Anyone say amen? amen. So this is our task to reach out to the nations. When the church lifts up its aim to focus on the nation, this is a quote from Ed Silvoso, it's on the screen. When the church lifts up its aim to focus on the nation, it will always find powerful grace from heaven and a receptive audience on earth. Hallelujah. Thank God for His grace. And you know what? His grace is powerful. It is powerful. It changes things. I get incredible uh, emails each week from different people around the world that are following this transformational uh, uh, move of God in, in, uh, across the earth. And there's some amazing things happening. We're going to, we're going to invite King Flores to come from Manila next year. And... Uh, it's incredible what this guy's doing. He's actually praying with President Arroyo in her office every week. 
and they have now introduced a godly system of transformation teaching into the police force in, 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 in the Philippines. Isn't that fantastic? All the police have to do it. That's absolutely mind-blowing. The influence that a few people can have. The first paradigm for nation transformation serves to set our eyes on the purposes of God. We're not just discipling nations, but we're discipling... Oops. We're not just discipling individuals, but we're discipling nations. Hallelujah. Just undid everything I've said. Hallelujah. It points us in the right direction. It keeps our eyes on the purpose of God. And sometimes we need a little bit of reminding where we're going. Next week, we turn to transformation paradigm two, the marketplace, which is the heart of the nation, being redeemed and it needs to be reclaimed. Hallelujah. But this week, Father, let's just pray. Please speak to us. Help us to understand. You have to do a new thing. Because at the rate that we're going, the nations will never be transformed. So you have to do a new thing. Your word says that you will pour your spirit out upon all flesh. Your word says that you will give us dreams and visions. And I don't believe in a, in a God who dangles carrots in front of our eyes. But I believe in a God who gives us a vision that can be reached through faith in Him. And so where do we stand tonight? Are we prepared to believe that we can be an influence? You see, even as I... I think of, uh, of this orange juice. As we're in prayer tonight, I think of the first miracle that Jesus did. It was a transformation miracle. He changed water into wine. Why did he do that? Why on earth was that the first miracle that Jesus did? Was it to cause the church to bicker and argue about whether you can drink wine or not for centuries? Was that the reason why Jesus did it? Because he wanted to, to cause division? What was it all about? It was transformation message straight off. That God can transform one thing into something else by his power. That's what he can do. And the result was a successful banquet. Hallelujah. Lord God. Speak to us. This is what God wants to do in us and through us. Transform ourselves by the power of God. Lord Jesus, come, transform me. 
put new wine into this old wineskin. And some of you are a little new wineskins. Well, put new wine in you as well. Hallelujah. Lord God, transform me so that I can believe, dare to believe for transformation in my city. That I can dare to believe for transformation in my nation. Move by your power, Lord Jesus. Move by your power. Now I recognise that a lot of this is difficult for some, of, some people. So while we're in this attitude of prayer, I'm just going to ask you this. If you have a desire for God to speak to you, no matter whether, what, what, what beliefs you've held in the past, but you just say, Lord, I want you to speak to me. I dare to believe that I'm important enough in your sight that you could speak to me. And I want to pray and I want to ask God to speak to you about this as you read the Bible, as you listen to the message. Maybe you, you listen to the message again, I don't know. Maybe once is enough. But as you think about these things, could you dare to believe that the God who made the universe could speak to you? And if you want that to happen in your life, you want to say, yes, Lord, if you are teaching me something new, then, Father, speak to me. I'm open to listen to your voice. If that is you and you need to get your head around all this transformational thinking, then simply in this moment, just raise your hand and I want to pray for you. Can I pray for you? You need God to speak to you. Yeah, thank you. Anyone else? Thanks. Anyone else? Thank you. Thank you. When I've seen your hand, you can put it down. Thank you. Anyone else? You need help with this. Once you've raised your hand and I've seen you, you can put it down. Right, thanks. Anyone else? Praise the Lord. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, that your word can teach us. It could rebuke us. It can correct us. And it trains us in righteousness. And Lord, when we allow your word to speak to us, Father, we know that your word then says, that we are thoroughly equipped for every good work. What a wonderful thing that is. What a wonderful promise that is. So Father, our prayer is simply this. As we've expressed our desire for you to speak to us, then Lord God, Lord God, all these have raised their hands. In Jesus' name. Help us to understand what you're saying to us and to apply 
what you say to us so that we can see your kingdom of God established in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Once again, I will make myself available for onslaughts and questions. Hallelujah. There is tea and coffee for those.